Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. So last week we uh, started, or it's our, our third week this week, but last week we talked about all in with Jesus. How many of you were here for that? All in with Jesus. And we... We were encouraged in the process to go all in with him, but we understood at the end of the message that Jesus always gave us, gave his disciples and gives us that invitation to go all in with him. And we also said that Jesus will never invite us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. And then we ended with communion and we, we looked at how Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. It said, while we were yet sinners, or still sinners, Christ died for us, or Christ went all in for us. And so that was last week, all in with Jesus. Today, with God's help, we're going to talk about all in with one another. All in with one another. And ultimately, it's a message about relationship. It's a message about relationship. And so we're going to look at what Scripture says about going all in with one another. And uh, Tony Stoltzfus said, We were never meant to live the Christian life alone. Christianity is an interdependent, community-oriented faith. So a lot of people, and I've heard this phrase not here per se, but in general in church, where it's like, it's just me and Jesus. It's me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus, meaning life is hard, the road is hard, it's bumpy, but it's just me and Jesus. But what that phrase or that thinking allows for is, well, no one else. And that's the problem. No, it's not just you and Jesus. We're going to look at Scripture and how it teaches us that you are to love God, but also love, say it, one another. So this morning, we're going to be talking about going all in with one another. Last week, we we touched on this relationship aspect, the vertical one. But today, it's horizontal. It's not in my notes, but when you think about the cross, there are two beams of wood. One is vertical. And the other is horizontal. And that tells me that it's a two-way relationship. It's me and, and Jesus in this personal way. But there's a second one that is equally important, which is the relationship I have with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's important for us as a church that we understand it. You see, that's why people aren't just looking for a friendly church. People are hungry for friends. There's a huge difference. So we can be a really friendly church. Let me just uh, show you what that might look like. We have greeters at the door. They have smiles. Some of them even hold signs sometimes. And we could be or appear to be very friendly, right? And you always receive a hug or a smile or a, hey, how are you? God bless you. And, And we continue on. And we see someone new and and we make sure to greet them. But it's just being friendly when in reality, 
people are hungry for a friend. And, and it's different. A friend knows a little more than just surface. A friend will know the details that maybe not many other people know. And they'll say, hey, how are you doing in that specific area? I noticed you're a little off today. Well, to know if someone is a little off, we have to not just be friendly with someone, we have to actually be their friend. We actually have to know who they are. And church, I want to say, if we get this, if we get it and apply it, that we will see people come through our doors, they won't want to leave because we aren't just a friendly church, but they have friends here now. And people gravitate to where their friends are. Just ask, uh, ask anyone, especially young kids. They go with their friends, and they're quick. But as adults, uh, it's sometimes sad to admit, but we do that too. So it's important that we grasp friendly is good. We want to be a friendly church, but people don't just want us to be friendly. They want a friend. And so we have to be able to understand that as we get started. And uh, you've all heard of the pastor who said, oh, I love ministry. It's the people I hate. I don't know if you've ever heard that joke. It's, it's not not serious one, um, but it's a joke maybe among ministers. And the reality or the truth to that saying is because sometimes as people, we're hard to deal with. We're, we're not all easy to get along with. And I, and I get being friendly is easier than sometimes being a friend. Um, and so we have to understand this morning that we have to open up our heart. We have to allow for one another's differences, one another's awkward things that they do or their outbursts or their mannerisms, things that maybe I don't do, you do, but you do things I don't do, right? And so we have to understand that it won't always be easy, but we have to become friends and work on this thing called relationship with one another. So first, we're going to look at how to deal with conflict in these relationships in the church as God has called us to do. And then we'll look at how and why we are called to serve one another. And so with God's help, we're going to do that. Would you stand to your feet and turn to John chapter 13 with me? John chapter 13, and here's what it says beginning at verse 34. John chapter 13, verse 34. And it says this, A new command I give you, love one another. Say that with me, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, what? What is this? Loving one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. See the repetition and the emphasis? What do we have to do? We have to love. Say one more time like you mean it now. Love one another. So this morning, with God's help, we're going to go all in on this topic of relationship, and we're going to go all in with one another in terms of being the church God wants us to be. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I pray, God, that you would show us in our own lives 
um, how we can befriend people, how we can spread the love of God and not just be friendly, but be a real friend, a true friend. I pray this morning, God, that we would become more and more every day the church you want us and need us to be in these last days, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the litmus test is our love for one another. And it's interesting, as we read in John 13, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Because a lot of times, like we might think, well, let me, I'm reading my devotion, I have my coffee, I'm going to put my highlighter and my special pen here. I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to post it on Facebook or Instagram because I want people to know I love Jesus. It's me and Jesus in the morning. And, and we do that, some people. And, we, we, and, and maybe you're just creative, and that's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do it. But that's not a true mark of a disciple, according to John 13. Did you know that? Or uh, maybe we, we say, well, uh, look how many reading plans I have read on version, And because you share, you know, you have, you're connected with your friends on the app, that it says, like, so-and-so completed their, their reading so-and-so, and, and you, it's like, I had a friend, I remember, it's like every seven days they finished a Bible reading plan. And I was like, this is insane, I can't keep up with that. And, but that's not even a true mark of a disciple, did you know that? Getting those notifications. See, God knows how important this relational mandate is, and so you can expect that he made sure that his written word, the Bible, would include guidelines and principles that would help us grow in relationships. Why? Because he said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples in your love for one another. So this morning, I want to approach this topic by talking about conflict. Because a lot of times, that's what keeps us apart. And that's what keeps us away from one another. Something happens. There's a wedge put in between you and someone else. And I know that the devil is a liar. And I know that the devil's plan is if I could just throw a little bit of salt on that wound, it's just going to hurt so bad that it'll, it'll cause a great division. And, and that's not what God has called the church to be. He's called us to be united. And so I love scripture because we can find answers and we can find help even in this difficult subject called relationships and how to get along with one another. So Matthew chapter 5 Verses 23 and 24 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, or at the altar, and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You see, God is reminding us about the priority of preserving right relationship. It's a priority. How do I know that? Well, it said, first, go and be reconciled to your brother. And then, come back and finish offering me your gift or your sacrifice. You see, a lot of times, we might say, well, forget it. I don't care about so-and-so. I, I, it's just me and Jesus. I go to church for Jesus. And yes, I hope that you don't come to church for me or to make me happy because you don't make me happy. I love seeing you, but we come for him, right? 
You understand my heart on that? Like, I, I love you. I love seeing everyone here. But we don't come for people. We come for him. And that has to be the reason. So yes, even if I have a little bit of something with somebody else, it shouldn't stop me from serving and from worshiping my Lord. But here's the reality. We have to understand that God doesn't want us to have these schisms or these divisions and disunity. He says, listen, I appreciate the gift and, and the offering and the sacrifice of your time and of your money and of your worship and all. But first, leave, leave it here. Don't, don't go anywhere. Don't think you can't bring it today. Just leave it here because you had a good intention. But first, be reconciled, which means make things right again. And we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. Why? Well, because Jesus reconciled sinful people to a holy God. Again, Jesus will never ask us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. And so first be reconciled to your brother, which means go and make things right. And then come and, and finish offering your gifts. So see, we don't get to stop life. We don't get to excuse ourselves from serving him, offering the sacrifice of our time of our resources. No, he's basically saying just pause it right there and go. And it doesn't have to take 10 years to reconcile either. And with God's help, we're going to look at another passage that gives us a pattern for, for getting through some of this conflict in the church. So number one, leave your gift there. First be reconciled, then come and still offer your gift. And so God is basically saying, who cares about your gifts and sacrifices if you can't even get it right with your neighbor? So worry about fixing that, and then you can continue to worship me. So you have some beef with a fellow believer. How do you approach it? Well, a few things. So some of everyone, by the way, should be taking notes today, because at some point we might have to, to, to iron things out with one another. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, reminds us that we are to, number one, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And then Romans 12, 18, instructs us in this way. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other party or the other person, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. What was the last word? Everyone. You can't twist the scripture. It's clear. So you might say, yes, but, but that's not what scripture is telling us. In what concerns you, you do what you can to live and be at peace with everyone. And I think it's really simple. If we all applied these two scriptures, I mean, we're all friends. We're all family, but I get it. I fight with my siblings. I was telling Josiah of a story of Sabrina, my oldest sister. She was a little bit of an instigator growing up. And I remember, and I wasn't a kid. I was like a teenager, like a nice, beefy, strong boy. And it was after school. It was like 4 p.m. I don't know why I remember the weird details, but I'm like that. And she just got under my skin to the point, and I don't remember why, though, 
that with all of my might, I just swung as hard as I could. And thankfully, she went like this, and I connected with her forearm. And then the next day, when I saw how big the bruise was, like I, it looked like her, her, whole, her whole arm was a bruise. And I was like, what happened? She's like, you did that. And I was like, Sabrina, oh my goodness. I'm sorry. And, and it was quick to iron out. But we all get in those moments. We all have those experiences. But number one, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Number two, seek for peace and pursue it. And so I believe if we consciously try to live this out and apply it to our living as believers, as brothers and sisters, that God's going to help us. And if we all have the same goal in the end, which is we're seeking for peace, I'm sure God is going to help us achieve it. Can you say amen? And, and my, see, I'd rather address this kind of stuff before we have to actually deal with it. So if you could learn the lesson today, it'll save you years of headache and, and conflict, I pray. And Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. Let's turn there in our Bibles. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. And here are some steps in how we can approach one another, how we are to deal with conflict, especially even sin in someone else's life. But also in terms of conflict, if you have beef with another believer, here's a great pattern that we find in Scripture, found in Matthew 18, and we'll read from verse 15. Here's what it says. If another believer sins against you, or offends you, another uh, translation says, go privately and point out the offense. Let me just stop right there for a second. What I see happening a lot, and I'm not big, I'm not on Facebook a lot, I'm more on Instagram, but especially I, I've seen it on Facebook, where people are, find it very easy to bash somebody else. And, and they could write the worst, neg even ministers, of, of mainline churches and mega churches that people are quick to bash pastors even and they have no problem why well I'm just typing and it, I hit a big button called send or enter and it's easy but when we look at scripture it says first go do it in private approach the person and by the way when it comes to ministry and I think I've said this once before but you will never find me on social media and hopefully even in person criticizing another ministry. People have asked me, what is your opinion on, on so-and-so or on such-and-such's ministry? And I'll say, well, my opinion, which is personal, and I don't go, you know, gallivanting on social media about it, but because you're asking, I'll, I'll share with you my thoughts. Sometimes they're good. Other times there are some concerns. But you will never find me bashing another ministry. You know why? Because who am I to judge? They'll all have to each give an account one day, and so will you, and so will I. For every word, whether spoken or I believe typed, um, because God sees it all, and He knows it all. And so, let us be careful not to criticize, or even repost, or share something that you might agree with, but you're not building up the kingdom if you do that. You're what? You're tearing it down. And that's not unity in the church. That's not going to help our mission move forward. 
Instead, say, well, maybe what can I do? What can I do to help? And so uh, when we find it in Scripture, verse 15, go privately and point out the offense. Okay, so once you do that, it goes on to say, if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. So it could end at, at step one right there. Then in verse 16, it says, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. So basically, if you try privately and it's not happening, the other person refuses or says, uh-uh, then you could bring one or two people with you the next time to witness this. And as a pastor, sometimes I'm called to sit in on some of those meetings uh, because, see, the point of the meeting is not to argue who's right or wrong. The point of the meeting is reconciliation. That should be it. So if I'm the mediator, if I'm sitting in a room with any of you, know that my heart and my goal is we're not leaving here until we're done. We're not leaving here until we are, as the scripture says, reconciled, or else what's the point of our meeting? And I get sometimes it takes a few meetings. So you try with other people, and it says that, um, so it may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. So there's, we have a leadership team at the church. We have a board of deacons. It's not just me and Spencer, but we have a board of deacons here. And then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. In other words, well, we don't associate with you any longer. And I sadly had, I was in a church on staff that we had to exercise this scripture to the point where my senior pastor, I remember, had to say from the pulpit, named the, the gentleman by name and said, we are not associating ourselves with this man, for we don't see a, a heart of reconciliation in him. And I sat there and it broke my heart. But I thought, what about all the people that are here who are wanting to learn about Jesus, who are new in the faith, who are hearing this? And this man that we had to do this with wasn't a new Christian. He was a man who grew up and was even a pastor once. And, and the pain was deep for his own family. And the pain was deep for the church family. But then I, also, I personally was wondering, I was like, but what about these new people too? What kind of an example are these believers setting for the rest of the younger ones? And not younger in age, but younger in the faith. And so this is, I'm taking time because it's so important that we understand. We are called towards this relational mandate, but it's not easy. And I'm so thankful that in the Word we find uh, a, a biblical approach to dealing with this. And listen, the goal is not to excommunicate anyone. The, the goal is reconciliation because that's what Christ is all about, redeeming people. And so we have to make sure that our heart is in check when we're, when we're talking about this kind of stuff. Relationship is never easy. Ask any husband and wife. Ask any sibling. Uh, not easy. Any big milestone in life, um, not easy to deal with. Even when it comes to death, not easy to deal with. It's my money. Dad loved me more. No, he loved me more. It should all go to me. And you get a, like, I've talked to funeral directors, 
And he, they've told me, he said, I've had to step in between two 65-year-old brothers, even, and say, guys, you're acting like 13-year-olds. <laughs> and he said, just honor your father in the midst of all of this. And listen, we might not be born in, of the same earthly father and mother, but we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. So as true and as difficult as sibling rivalries might be, uh, listen, we have to learn to get along with one another in the church. And we cannot be so thin-skinned or, or have a lack of grace that at the first uh, bump in the road, we just we get so turned off and walk away from God altogether. No, no, no. We are to have grace and we are to seek peace. Remember, when we speak the truth, even though you might be right, you still have to speak it with love or else you're still wrong, even though you're right. So uh, just some great advice from Scripture for us this morning as we talk about conflict. But why go through all this trouble? Like why, if it's so hard, why go through this trouble of being relational and being a friend to somebody in church? See, the true life of the church Here's where it gets good. The true life of the church is found in relationship. The true life of the church is found in relationship, and we must work hard to preserve the unity. See, as the church, we don't have time to play games. And I, I preached the first message of this year called All In, A Spirit of Urgency, that the time is short that we have, so we don't have time to play games with God or with one another. We'd be foolish to base relationships off of skin color, socioeconomic status, or ethnicity. Weren't we all purchased with the same blood? Yes. Don't we all have the same Heavenly Father? We have more in common than not in common. Oh yeah, and we all have the same blood that bleeds red, the blood of Jesus. So we are, by virtue of that, spiritual brothers and sisters bought with the same blood that redeemed you and redeemed me psalm 133 so talking about why should we care as we transition to why how and why we are to serve one another psalm 133 verses 1 and 3 says this behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity and then verse 3, for there, in our unity, for there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. So as we seek to preserve the unity and build ourselves to be friends, not just friendly with one another, but true friends, where even a first-time guest feels like they're at home and part of the family, which is our desire, but that's where the blessing begins to pour out and to come and to flow. And we find life, even life forevermore. That's why it's so important. 1 John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 says, we know, that, we know what real love is. Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. There it is again. Jesus will never invite us to do something that he himself is not willing to do. He gave his life up for you and for me. And because of that, now you and I can give up our lives one for another. 
And then 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. By our actions. So you see, it's easy to be friendly. It's harder to be a friend. But you will know a true friend when you see one because it comes in the outworking of everyday life. It's not forced. It's not because I wear a greeter badge, right? That's not that we're forcing anyone to do that. Uh, that's the, one of the ways people serve at Weston. But friendship has to happen in everyday life. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, know that you are called to serve Him and to serve people in His name. You see, you you cannot say, well, it's just me and Jesus, I'm going to church. No, we are called to serve Him and to love Him. But know that you are equally called to serve one another and to love especially one another. So John 13, we're not going to turn there. But in John 13, there's this beautiful passage of Scripture where Jesus is in a room it's almost dinner time. It's ready. It's nearing the end of his earthly ministry. And he's there with his, his close friends, his disciples. And Jesus, the Bible says, stands up. He takes off his regular robe and ties a towel around his waist, takes a wash basin, and he gets ready to wash the feet of his disciples. And I want to say this this morning. I really want you to grasp what that looks like, but what it means especially. You see, it's an example to us of how Jesus was willing to do something for the disciples that they weren't even willing to do for one another. Do you catch that? In the whole thrust of that, that encounter where he's washing their feet, Jesus, the Savior, the Master, the one that they call Rabbi, and teacher, the one who, who had all the answers to all of their questions, was willing to bend down and to wash their feet as dirty as they were. Why? While they wore sandals, they walked on dirty, dusty roads. They didn't have cars like we have. And Jesus proceeded to wash their feet. And you see, Jesus was willing to do something that they weren't even willing to do for one another. And that's the beauty of that picture of Jesus. Matthew 23, 11 says this, The greatest among you must be a servant. You can serve as much in the church as you work at your daily job. 40 hours, and you say, I served 40 hours at church this week, Pastor. That's great. I'm happy. But be a servant. Don't be, don't be boasting about it. Be a servant. Ask, how can I serve? How can I help? See, that's the attitude. It's, it's all in the attitude as well. You don't have to please me by saying you worked 40 hours. You do it because you serve him and you serve others. And there are many of you that serve and you go beyond the call of duty and you do things that I probably don't even know about for the church, for the kids' ministry, for worship, for greeting, and, and just this, this place in general. And that's good. I applaud you today. 
and with a heart of, of thankfulness, even though I don't even probably know in the way you pray for the church and you serve in your specific ways. And I say, praise the Lord. Thank God for you. But the reality is there are also others who haven't really contributed in a significant or specific way. And maybe you've just been receiving and receiving and receiving. And you come to church just like you would show up to a McDonald's drive-thru. It's like, I'm going to do my quick you know, run-through, get what I need, and it's just me and Jesus, and, and I get along with life. And I'm not here to make fun of, of you, and I'm not here to point a finger at anyone in specific. I'm just here to say, it cannot be just you and Jesus. You cannot just serve Jesus, because that's only half of the picture. It has to be, yes, I love and serve God, but I love and serve my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm willing to go beyond the call of duty. See, Jesus served his disciples even before they were willing to serve one another. And that's our example that we take is, am I willing? This is your homework, by the way, for this week. Am I willing to serve others the way I, Jesus has served me? Am I willing to go beyond the call of duty and put my brother and sister first before I, I satisfy what I want out of church or what I need out of church? It's a very different picture when we start to live life putting others first. You know what happens? I'm going to tell you a secret. God blesses you as you bless more and more people. And as you bless and serve more and more people, you become more and more blessed. And it's just a byproduct of serving in the family of God. That the more you invest, the more is returned back to you and invested into you. See, if I was just releasing seed today and you took it, great. But once you start to grow fruit, what's going to happen? Well, you have to produce other plants as well. See, that's the example in farming. That there's always this thing that keeps reproducing. So what Christ did in you is the seed. Let it be reproduced through your life to reach and touch other people as you put others first. I'm telling you, it's not rocket science. If we put this into practice, the love of God in this place, the church, and by the way, the church is not a building, it's you and me. The love of God in this church is going to be irresistible to people, to, to drug addicts, to the lost, to the homeless. They will come and people are searching for love. People are searching for truth, answers, and hope. And I want to tell you, we have it all through Jesus. But we have to understand, we have to put people first. I want to share with you a quick video as we prepare to close uh, about someone in our church who decided to go all in and serve here at Weston. Would you just give attention to the screen? Hey, uh, my name is Warren. Um, I'm, I've been coming to this church for about 14 years. Um, yeah. Well, it actually all started at work when uh, uh, they told me to be a greeter, and um, it, w it was fun. And then I was, one day when I was at home, I was thinking to myself, you know, why not do it at church? So then Jonathan told me about all these signs, so I just took one of them and I just went outside and I just started to, you know, wave them. And, I, and a lot of people were, I was getting a lot of great responses, but people were honking and, and smiling, and, and it really got me to keep doing it every every chance I got to do. Yeah, like, you know, sometimes you don't know what people are usually going through and, you know, 
you could be uh, that person that could make a difference in their world where you know a simple hi hello or welcome could you know set a, an amazing atmosphere to really brighten their day yeah let's bring it to church why not like they always set a standard at work that you know you need to have you know amazing customer service and this and that and that but why not do it at church you know why not make it a uh, utilize that uh, same um, standard here mm. to get people to come here it really showed me that you know if you have an opportunity to make a difference you know do it you know you could be that person who you know changes someone's life uh, that you know that when they come into church you know they could be you know set free by demons or healed from whatever uh, they're, they're going through just that one small act of a person standing out there waving a sign and trying to get someone's attention find out what your talents and gifts are and really Try to see how you can use that in the church to really uh, make an impact and inspire people around you to change our city, or rather turn it upside down for God. So that's the story of Warren. I don't know if you've seen him. I think even this morning he was standing with the signs outside. A few weeks ago when it was like deep freeze weather, minus 25 or something, uh, he was outside holding signs um, because he's, he's understood what it means now after 14 years to be all in for Jesus, to serve God, but to serve one another. Can you give God a hand and Warren a hand? And did you know that that person could be you? Did you know that? Um, next Sunday, at the close of the service, we're going to leave some time for you to interact with different ministry leaders. We're going to have tables set out in the foyer. And uh, so every ministry represented, ushers, greeters, guest services, uh, we have kids ministry, we have worship, we have women with purpose. My hope is to have all of those tables there. And, and there might be two reasons why you would want to go. One is, well, I'm just interested to know more about women with purpose. Or I, I know that they meet and I've heard it announced, but I'm not quite sure what happens or what's going on. And uh, also... Uh, that's one thing, so for information. But some of you, I believe, are, are probably at the point where you're ready to go all in. And this is the whole thrust of these last few weeks as we will end our series next Sunday, is that God didn't call us to be consumers. I mean, maybe in the beginning when we had to receive and grow and learn and, and nourish and flourish, but there has to come this this point in our lives where we stop feeding from mommy and daddy and we start going and doing the work ourselves. And so next Sunday, maybe this is your opportunity. And when you go to the table, you're ready to say, you know what, I don't just want to receive information about this ministry. I actually am interested. And our leaders will be able to talk with you. And you might say, well, like how, how does it look like to serve as an usher? Or how does it look like to serve in our youth ministry? Uh, and that is what we designed the end of the service next week for. So please plan to be here and don't miss it. Because as a church, I, I think we're about ready to go all in with Jesus, but even one another 
and, and especially in serving. And I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we close this morning. And I just want to leave you with a few more thoughts. And then we're going to pray. When we, when we stop just serving, it's the right thing to do. Sorry, when we stop just serving because it's the right thing to do, and instead start seeing ourselves as servants, that's the moment when we die a bit more to ourselves and Christ is free to live through us to bless others. So, we, in other words, I know a lot of us say, well, I, I serve here and I serve there. Let's just, it's good to do that, but let's just first identify as I'm a servant, period. I'm a servant. Because then my whole mentality has already shifted. It's not just a role or a job that I show up to do. This is part of the very fabric of my being, of who God created me to be. See, God wants you to serve in His church. His church is a body, and every member, every part is important. So if you are a part of the church, but you're not serving, then something God wants accomplished isn't getting done. Because God wants to use everyone, and that includes you, to serve in His church. Because we don't go to church, we are His church. And that's why we have to be all in. As we pray, I'm going to ask you to do something. We don't do it often, but I'm going to ask from this side all the way to this side. If we would all join our hands in between the aisles, you've got to stretch a bit and displace yourself. And this is a simple act, especially if you're on the side. Would you just push in towards the middle? In the sound booth, you guys join hands too. Marissa, if you could just connect right here. There we go. Connect the pieces. Linked arms. Here's why it's important. We are called to do life together. We are. And the, the symbolic nature of our hands joining is us saying, God, you're going to have your way. We are going to be a united church. Because what the devil would want us to do is to stay separate, to stay on our own. And what he's called us to do is this. This is the picture right here of, of a church united. And let me tell you what, when the enemy tries to get through... If I try to run, and I, I'm the enemy in this example, it'll be very hard for me to get through every link in this group. But you see, when the church is united, the devil tries, but it'll be harder and harder and harder. And the church goes from strength to strength to strength. And we say, Lord, use us. We are knitted together as your church. And I'm so thankful this morning that we can not just hear a message, but your homework this week is to ask, how can I put this into practice? How can I reconcile my differences with my brother or my sister, number one? And number two for your homework is you're going to go home and ask the Lord, Lord, am I just a consumer or am I contributing? Am I serving in the way you've called me to serve? And then next week you'll have an opportunity to change that if you feel the Lord speaking to you. So would you join me as we pray, as this picture of unity. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, God, that we can choose to not be 
participants and just spectators, but I know that's not what you've called us to. You've called us to be the church, united on all fronts, on all sides, for the cause of Christ. And Father, today I pray that there would be no division among us because a house divided against itself cannot stand, your word says. So Lord, I speak over us that we will be united, that we will work together at peace, that we will speak the truth in love. And Father, that even if we have something against someone, we will settle the score. And God, we will work together to get it done. And so, Father, I thank you even in this area of serving one another. And I pray, Lord, that we would uh, remove self from the equation and we would simply put others before us. And God, I ask that as we endeavor to do this, that you would find great glory in this. And as that scripture says, that it's when we dwell together in unity that you command the blessing, even life forevermore. God, I speak your blessing over Weston that we would be united. And God, as we do that, Lord, we will know that your love becomes irresistible to people. That, Lord, uh, people will walk into this place and say, I've been to friendly churches, but this church is different. So, God, I pray that let there be that unique uh, aspect every time we gather. And, Lord, help us to be a welcoming church, to be a loving church. And, Lord, not just a friendly church, but one that loves to make new friends. And, God, we thank you. Lord, we honor you in this place and Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts maybe who are considering serving, considering getting involved, and you would have your way. Thank you for those who already serve, who already give of themselves. And Father, we invite, Lord, in this week, you to have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.